During the season of Easter, rather than an Old Testament reading, we hear a reading from the Acts of the Apostles showing how the early church grew and the message of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ spread throughout the world. And so for this, the second Sunday of Easter, our first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the fifth chapter. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, and stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, They called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And this is the word of the Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. God the Father has crowned him with glory and honor. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. The epistle reading comes from the Revelation of St. John, the first chapter. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God forever, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, 
Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that guy that you saw get killed the other day, he was talking to us. And he told us that 
everything is okay now. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Of course it does, because dead is dead. Unless you're watching some zombie movie when people die, that's the end. That's it. That's all she wrote. And so Thomas doubted, just as you yourself would have if you had been in his sandals. When the disciples came and said, we've spoken to the Lord, he's talked to us, he said, that can't be, because I saw him die. I saw him die brutally. I saw them lay him in the tomb, and there's no coming back from that. Now, do you think you would have thought otherwise? Well, how many times have you doubted what God has said just in this past week? Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. God said that. Have you doubted? I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said that, too. And he said, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Have you doubted there? So yeah, like Thomas, you would have demanded proof. You would have wanted to stick your fingers in Jesus' wounds before you believed. And yet, just as Jesus came to Thomas in peace to put away his disbelief, he does the same for us. Rather than leaving us to our doubts, rather than writing us off and say, how dare you not believe what I have to say, he comes to us in his word in his presence, even through miracles, assuring us that his word is truth and that we should indeed believe what he has to say. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Ask yourself this question. Why was it so hard for Thomas to believe? I mean, he knew the apostles. They were his friends. He had been traveling with them for years. He had heard what Jesus had said. There was no reason for them to lie to him. There was no gag to be pulled here where they go, let's tell Thomas he's alive. That'd be funny. Why was it so hard for Thomas to believe? Well, Thomas doubted because what he heard made no earthly sense at all. Even though Jesus told him and all the others that he would rise again from the grave, this is still an unbelievable tale. Thomas and the others saw the brutality that had been laid upon Jesus. They saw him crucified publicly. They saw him die. They saw his bloody, lifeless corpse laid in the grave. And so by human logic, that should be the end. There's no coming back from that. You know, if he had been maybe bonked on the head, he could have said, well, yeah, maybe he was knocked out and he woke up in the tomb. But no, this was a publicly carried out execution. This was a government-certified death. And so Thomas, despite hearing eyewitness accounts, despite the word of God telling him that it was so, despite his own Christian faith, Thomas doubts. Because what he was hearing made no sense at all. But you know, why should we find it so surprising that Jesus would rise from the grave? Why should the resurrection be the point at which Thomas and so many others 
doubt the Christian faith. Because as miraculous and astounding as Jesus' resurrection is, that is not the only part of our faith that defies human logic. I mean, let's face it. When we look at it objectively, much of Christianity makes no earthly sense whatsoever. Take baptism, for instance. The Bible says clearly, baptism now saves you. But that can't be. It's just water. It's just a baby who can't even speak for themselves, usually. It's just a pastor pouring some water, saying some words. We don't see anything. People don't get suddenly stronger. There's no lightning bolt or a voice from heaven. So how in the world can that do anything? How about communion? Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood. And we say, that can't be. I only see bread. I only taste wine. It can't be the body and blood of Jesus because that's in heaven. It can't be the body and blood of Jesus because that's gross. It can't be because I can't imagine it. Or how about the disciples in our reading today from Acts proclaiming, we must obey God rather than men. Does that make any human sense at all? They were told by the authorities, if you keep preaching this Jesus stuff, we are going to arrest you, we are going to beat you, we are even going to kill you. Now, by human logic, you'd say, all right, I'm done with the Jesus thing. But they didn't. They continued to proclaim. They gave up their lives to tell strangers that Jesus loved them and died for them so that they could go to heaven. Or how about John telling us, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. By human logic, I'm a good person. Certainly better than my neighbor is because they're terrible. And when you look at the news and you see all the people around, well, by gum, I'm a pretty high up there. And so, of course, I don't have sin. I'm a good person. I go to church. I do the right thing most of the time. But we are sinners. We're good. Even if we're in church. Even if we look way better than the world around us, the Bible is clear. We are by nature sinful and unclean. And then, of course, we have the most surprising thing of all. The thing that absolutely goes against all human logic and yet is the very basis and core of our Christian faith. By grace, you have been saved. Through faith. What Jesus did on the cross, long ago and far away, that is applied directly to your sinful life. And you, you didn't do a thing to earn it. How much sense does that make? And so you, a miserable, wretched sinner, who had nothing to give God in return, you who continue to sin, you who doubt and demand proof, you who hear God's word and say, eh, whatever, I think there's something better on TV, you are forgiven completely, freely, eternally. That doesn't make any earthly sense, does it? But by faith, we believe. We believe God even above our own wisdom. We believe God above what our own eyes can see, what our ears can hear, what our brains can think. Because Christianity, it's unbelievable. 
It is absolutely unbelievable on our own. In fact, it's so unbelievable that by ourselves, we can't even come to Jesus Christ. We can't sit down, look at the evidence, and say, you know what, I do think Jesus is the Son of God, and he did take away my sins. It just doesn't work that way. God alone gives us the faith to believe, to realize that God's ways are going to be different from man's ways. God alone comes to us wretched, unbelieving, doubting sinners and changes our heart. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through God's holy word and makes us a new creation, one that is able to hear God's word and believe it, one that is able to put aside our wisdom and our logic and what we know for a fact and to hear the truth of God's holy word and to have eternal life by that word. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever... What does that mean? How does a child believe? Well, they believe unquestioningly, trusting the authority of the teacher, accepting that they do not know things and that they need to be taught. Young children don't question based on their experience. When Laura was little and I told her I was dada... She didn't think to herself, wait a minute. That guy over there told his daughter that he was Dada, and there can't be two Dadas. That's impossible. So I don't believe what this guy over my crib is telling me. You tell them you're Dada, and you're Dada. You tell them that B comes after the letter A, and so it does. If you were really mean and twisted, you could tell them that the color blue is actually loggle-boggle, And they would write poems about the beautiful summer skies of clearest loggle-woggle. God's ways are not going to make sense to our limited, sinful, broken minds. And yet his ways are true and right and best. And we are called to believe them with a childlike faith. Not a blind faith. Because God gives us evidence. God gives us proof. God gives us his word over and over and over. But we don't trust that evidence that we think we know above what God actually says. By faith, even if we can't figure it out, even if our human logic screams foul, even if it makes no earthly sense whatsoever, we believe what our Heavenly Father says. And by believing we have the eternal benefits of his work applied to our sinful lives. Man-made religions, they are very easy to believe in. They totally make sense because they are invented by man. Of course they're going to follow human logic. If I do this, my deity will do that. If I do these things, my deity will reward me with that. Totally makes sense, flows in a straight line because it came from our heads. But they lead only to death and condemnation. In Jesus Christ and in him alone, we are given the free gift of eternal life. It doesn't matter how sinful we are. In Jesus, we are fully forgiven by grace through faith. It's not up to us to fix ourselves and make ourselves worthy because we could never do that well enough. God has done it all for us.
And even though that makes no sense, it doesn't have to. It's not about us and how clever or wise we are. It's not about us figuring it out and accepting it. It's only about God and how merciful and holy he is. And by grace, he tells us the unimaginable, the unbelievable truths of his love and forgiveness shown at the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And so when the world scoffs at your Christian faith, don't be surprised. By human, sinful, limited logic, all of it is very unbelievable. But that's why God has given us faith. Faith to believe that God's ways are better than ours. Faith to believe that just because we can't understand something perfectly doesn't mean that it isn't the truth. Faith to trust in God rather than our own mind and our own senses. And by that faith, you are saved. Saved from sin, death, and the devil. Saved from the eternal torment that you as a sinner deserved. Saved not just to live an adequate life here on earth, but to live a perfect and unending life in paradise with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By believing, you have life in his name. For by believing you are connected to his cross and empty tomb, his perfect payment for all sin that he gave to you. He did the work. You get the reward. It sounds unbelievable. And by human logic, it is. But by the grace of God, that is the truth. That by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, You are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.